Yeah, yeah, it was. Hey, did you guys hear that? <laughs> did ever, did everyone just hear that? I don't know. The sultry sounds of Carter. Oh, our third wheel that just fell off. Our tricycle became a bicycle. <laughs> our man. <laughs> he is still here with us. He is still part of Rooted. At the bottom of the stairs. He's at the bottom of the stairs. Anyway. Well, welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Uh, episode 53. 53 of the Rooted in Logos podcast. I am Brad. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend and coffee connoisseur, Austin uh, Nathaniel Loop. Hello there. Hello. <laughs> yeah, that's not my middle name. I, I know it's not. I'm, I feel like it's something easy, and I'm just going to keep guessing strange It's biblical? Ones. Okay. There you so. go. That's all you get. Anyway, uh, welcome back, Austin. Oh, How man. you doing, man? I'm pretty good. It was nice. I uh, got rained out today, so nice. I stayed home with the family and uh, hung out, got some stuff done. I took Friday off this last weekend yeah. and, and just caught up on a few things. And my boss took the day off, too. And so the inmates were running the asylum as far as like our salespeople. Um, <laughs> and so I came into an absolute mess. All the money Ooh. was wrong. All the tickets. Were, I mean, I spent the first four hours of my day cleaning up after what they did on Friday. So that was... That was fun, but it was it was all right. It was all right. I was a little annoyed, but yeah, got over it. <laughs> they did their best. <laughs> God love them. That's funny. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like with my job, I normally I can go work during the rain because I'm just going to talk to people, and normally I'm soaked by the end of the day. But like this morning, I got the I got the text with all the other guys saying that rain was canceled. But then my boss sent me the text saying, "Oh, by the way, Austin, don't go, don't come in either." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Well, very cool. So, a nice, unexpected, yeah. relaxing day for you with the nice. family, and that's good. Um, so, I don't really have any news stories as far as icebreakers go. I mean, we, you know, there's the obvious conflict over in Ukraine with between Ukraine and Russia, but I followed it a little bit. But I mean, just knowing what's true and what's not true, I, I don't have a clue at this point. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like, you know what? I'm not even going to talk about it because I, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, last last I heard anything true, uh, my brother deployed over there, so he's in po- Poland with the 101st Airborne. Okay, <clears throat> and uh, I don't. I lost track. I'm sure he's lost track of how many deployments he's been on now. Yeah, but. The, yeah, they're there with uh, a lot of guys, a lot of guys. Yeah, so, so hopefully, hopefully it resolves itself without uh, any more people getting involved. Yeah, if they can. But, but yeah, we continue to pray for that situation uh, for sure for both Russia and Ukraine. The people of both. I thought I would do something different and, and something just kind of goofy to start us off before we get into our topic today, which is going to be Romans thirteen. We're slowly finishing up the book of Romans. Just got a few left. Uh, but Romans 13, a shorter passage, shorter shorter chapter, so maybe not as long of an episode as yeah. it has been. I say that, and it'll still be an hour and 20 minutes, God but it's will be fine. Like, mm. um, but I want to know, and Austin is going to be caught off guard by this question, so, you know, get over it. Um, okay. Your most embarrassing moment in high school. In high school? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um... Nothing's coming to mind. Nothing's coming to I, mind. I mean, I went to I went to high school my sophomore year through senior, year, but I was I was a weird kid. Like coming from homeschool into high school, I didn't have that. Oh, I don't know anybody because I actually knew a lot of them coming into it because I played soccer with most of them. 
But embarrassing moments? So I'll, I'll tell you mine. I was actually in a male beauty pageant. Oh. Okay, okay. <laughs> it, okay, but here it wasn't like embarrassing. Like they asked me if I wanted to be in it because they they chose a guy from each of the clubs. I was part of the industrial arts club, so I was Mr. Industrial Arts or whatever. Oh. And uh, I, I came in second. Okay. So uh, not not too shabby. There you go. What was what was the this male beauty pageant? What was the uh... We had different categories. We had like our beach category. We had our <laughs> our formal wear. We had a talent. I sang Little Black Submarine by Black Keys. Okay. And with my guitar, and it was a lot of fun, but I I I lost to um Oh my goodness, I forgot his name. Jones. Probably uh, the quarterback. No, he wasn't coming oh, okay. back. But he did everything. He swam. He ran. This guy. This guy was cool. A, a black guy, dude. He's tall. He looks good. And this guy can dance. Like, nice. like, yeah. I'll just leave it there. Yeah. I'm like, man, this guy was good. I lost, and I was okay with it. Okay, there you go. <laughs> anyway, so mine very easy to to come up with this. I actually wrote my first college paper on this exact one. She wanted it. It was an English assignment. And she wanted a uh, like a personal narrative. That was the assignment. Just write a personal narrative. Just a true story about yourself and make it interesting. She wanted to kind of evaluate how good we were at writing. So all throughout high school, I did theater. I uh, was in a bunch of different plays, did, did all kinds of stuff. And one in particular, my junior year, that was my junior year, we did Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Okay. So a musical. If you guys don't know, look it up. It's actually pretty pretty good movie yeah it's a pretty good movie i yeah. enjoyed it um good good play a lot of fun so there was one scene in particular where i had to dance with my oldest brother's wife as we were about to go try to find our own wives that was kind of the premise here and so right. she was teaching us how to dance to get ready for the for the dance and yeah. so i had a really quick costume change so the scene before it's at it's at night and we're in our pajamas pajama pants like those Thermal shirts and, you know, and wool socks or whatever. That was kind of our, our attire for that. And I had a very quick, maybe 45 seconds to a minute to change into nice jeans and nice shirt, cowboy hat and boots. All through dress rehearsal, I couldn't get dressed in time. I would have everything but like a boot. I would, I'd be missing a boot, missing both boots. Like, I don't know, like it just, I couldn't, couldn't get it. So finally decided, okay, I don't know why it took me this long to figure it out. But I'm just going to put everything on over what I'm already wearing. Make it a little easier, make it a little quicker. Yeah. So we get to opening night, go through the scene. I finally get fully dressed. I'm ready to go with like 10 seconds to spare before my cue to come out on stage. And so I come out on stage. I do my little dance with the lead female character. And I hear the um, the, the audience just laughing. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand why this is funny. I'm not that bad of a dancer. Like, it's fine. Like, it's just a little little two-step thing. Like, it's nothing nothing crazy and the, they're cracking up i'm like what is happening so i, I get done i kind of step back have one of my other brothers you know with me he, he was the first one out to dance and then the next guy's coming out and he's dancing and as he's doing that my, i feel a little tap on my shoulder from one of my castmates and he just kind of whispers real kind of quietly and discreetly hey look down and uh, to my horror not only had i not zipped up my fly on my jeans but the string of my pajama pants was just kind of flapping in the breeze oh man <laughs> Of, of my pants. How many people were watching? Oh, there was you know? a solid 120 Ooh. or so because we were doing it at a theater offsite. It's our whole church just watching. Pretty Min much, yeah, basically our church few. just kind of <laughs> watching. And apparently, uh, my uh, my face turned you know multiple shades of red, mm -hmm. and I 
you know, corrected the issue and just kind of tried to go about finishing the song in the scene because at that point we all had to sing together and that was you know so that, that is my most embarrassing high school moment by far pretty fun stuff cool beans yeah <laughs> anyway just thought it'd be fun to try to share a little insight into our past lives yeah yeah for our few listeners that we have right I don't know. Maybe if we get more listeners, we'll <clears throat> actually have an episode where we just, you know, dive into who we are, maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm not that interesting. I mean, <laughs> yeah, me neither. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so, anyway. Do you know who is interesting? Paul. Paul. Yeah. Oh, I see like, what you did. That. You nice like transition. That? I like you. that. That's good. So, <laughs> we are going to go into Romans chapter 13, and just kind of like we normally do, we're going to dive in, we're going to read it real quick, uh, read the whole thing, and then start breaking it down kind of verse by verse. And And we've done a couple of episodes maybe just one episode on verses taken out of context and we could add this to that list oh yeah uh this yeah. is one that i think is routinely taken out of context uh because this one of course a lot the first part of it deals with submitting to the authorities and so a lot of people take this as submit to the government and there's some aspect of that as we'll see and there's some application practically for this as we'll see but does it mean that we need to submit to the to the authorities of the government the civil government at all cost does it mean we need to submit to them in everything they say? Does it mean we need to go along with everything they say with a smile on our face because we're good Christians? Like, what what does this look like practically? And so, we're going to dive into that. You know, just a little side note on this, too. You know, we, we see this verse, we saw this verse really crop up, this chapter really crop up over the last couple of years. Yeah. With the COVID lockdowns, with churches supposed to be closed and churches supposed to, you know, refrain from gathering. Uh, we've seen churches do that. We, we saw churches closed a lot longer than they should have been. We've seen internet church become a huge, a huge thing. Yeah. All in, all referencing this passage to submit to the governing authorities. Yeah. And so, are they taking that out of context? I'm sure you might have an idea of where we're going with this, but we'll we'll actually get there without quote unquote spoiling it for you. So, without further ado, Austin, jump into Romans 13. Read until you want to stop, and I'll pick up. Cool. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For, because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now 
than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but be but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Romans chapter 13. <clears throat> I like it. So let's just jump in and really we're going to break this up into two parts. Verses 1 through 7, and then 8 through the end of the chapter. So, 1 through 7, verses 1 one and 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Just verse 1. Let's start there. Okay, let's do it. All right. So, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. I mean, pretty straightforward. It, yeah. And, again, so, looking at context, Paul is in the middle of the Roman Empire. The governing authorities at that time were Caesar uh herod Pilate. uh who who else was there at that time you had the sanhedrin sanhed sanhedrin oh my goodness sanhedrin sanhedrin thank you i knew that one sanhedrin. i was to, i was i was i said it earlier i was gonna let you get there sanhedrin thank you but yeah yeah they were all in that governing authority type figure at the time so that that is the basis of what paul is writing about right now and then our governing authorities as of right now just basic you've got the police you've got the sheriff all the way up to mayor governor all the way up to the office of president so yeah yeah. so part of christian integrity part of our duty as christians is to be good good citizens Mm -hmm. good citizens of our towns of our states of our country so civic responsibility is part of us part of our job as christians yes and you know it begins with a sense of obligation and honor to governing authorities it has a theological basis god's sovereignty is expressed in his establishment of the institution of human government so if we believe in the sovereignty of god and we believe that he is orchestrating on on a big level his ultimate plan then we have to believe that these governments that are in place whether we like them or not are part of that plan does that mean we have to agree with everything they do? No. Does that mean that we don't go out and exercise our right to vote as Americans? No. Does it mean we don't get involved? No. We get involved. We fight for the truth. We fight for what's right. We fight for our beliefs. But we also understand that ultimately God is in control and He's there is a reason why things are the way they are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For there is no authority except from God, and those that that exist have been instituted by God. So just right there, it's everyone throughout history that has been in power is because God put him there. And it it is hard to think of sometimes because we look back at Rome, we look back uh, just Old Testament looking at Israel, look at everyone who took over Israel. You had Babylon, you had the the Medo-Persians, you had Greece, you had Rome, you had the Assyrians— God instituted them over Israel, and it was because of judgment, but God put them there anyway. Yeah. Um, Even coming up, uh, World War II, Nazi Germany, God instituted Hitler, he instituted Stalin, he instituted these people in power. And uh, yeah, it's hard to think of it that way, but God placed placed them there for a purpose. And we don't know, I still would say we probably don't know what that purpose is. I, yeah. Right. I mean, we not until not until we see the full picture at the end of days. But it doesn't make sense. And, and again, we're not. I, I don't want us to say that we need to be apathetic. 
right? Right. So you have the situation like World War II, Nazi Germany, Stalin, or, or if you today, you know, you have regimes like the Saddam Hussein regi- regime and the yeah. Putin and and some and the Xi Jinping in in China. It doesn't mean we're not to fight against those powers, right? It doesn't mean we're, we're not to try to fight for freedom and fight for justice right. and, and fight for what's what's right. You know, the, the fight against genocide, fight against unnecessary uh, invasions of other countries, fight against these things. We're called to do that. We're supposed to do that. But how does that match up with Romans t- Romans thirteen? Well, it does, and we're going to get to that here in just a second. Yeah. yeah. So, so verse two. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So, that seems to fly in the face of everything I just said. <laughs> right? Let's let's dive into that one just a little bit. Paul speaks here in broad terms. In general, the authorities act legally and uphold the social order God has appointed. Judgment is the penalty for noncompliance, because God has delegated punishment to these authorities. So, verse 4, we're going to see that in verse 4. When authorities overstep... Believers need to obey God over man. You see that in Acts 5.29. And and I actually have that Acts 5 written down as an example later on that we're going to get to, some kind of cross-reference here, that support this idea that we obey God rather than man. They may need to say to a king whose command is blasphemous, we will not serve your gods or worship your golden image that you have set up. That's in Daniel. Jesus defied the extra-biblical Sabbath ordinances of his time. Paul's counsel in Romans 13 assumes a government acting within its God-appointed parameters. When it does not, other measures are in order. Yeah. So that right there kind of explains a little bit of how we can reconcile this idea that we fight against authoritarian regimes. We fight against regimes that are against God and against the Bible and against what he has laid out as as moral standard. Right. While also submitting to the authority of of the government at the same time. Let's take uh, two and three together. So, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Four, rulers are not a terror of good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. So, right, just base note, uh, looking at uh, police officers, their whole duty is to uphold the law. As of right now, the law of the land is the Constitution. There are extra laws added, but the Constitution. They, when they swear in, it is they will uphold the Constitution. So, basics, if you're speeding, they pull you over, you're going to get a ticket. When it's saying, for rulers are not a terror of good conduct, if, if you obey the law, if you go the speed limit, if you don't drink and drive, if uh, you don't kill people, you don't murder people, you right. don't steal, all these basic things, if, if you follow the law... They're not a terror of good conduct. They're to bad. When they're working within the confines of God. Exactly. Appointed. What, what, what or even say? when they're just working in the confines of the law. Yeah. And it's when, like, when we look back with Jesus, they were adding laws to the original law. And they were expounding on them. And they were making people adhere to it, which was not according to the law. So... Jesus was following the law. He adhered to it. He came to fulfill it. He wasn't breaking the law. What he was so-called quote-unquote breaking was their extra added laws that God did not appoint. Right. And so for, for us, you know, when we go against the authorities, the police, in a manner that is against the law, then 
by rights, yeah, we need to get a ticket. We need to be arrested. Versus we are following our our rights according to what the Constitution has said. So uh, we have the right to protest. If we're out protesting, but it's civil, we're not throwing bricks through glass windows and burning businesses and looting the Verizon stores. Yeah, because those are okay too, right? Sure. Yeah, no, we're not going to go there. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) if we're uh, peacefully protesting, that's according to our Constitution. We're legally allowed to do that. If the police start coming out and start arresting us because we're protesting, then that is against the law. So, yeah. And verses three and four and are verse three and four are one sentence. Yes. Um, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. And I'm going to shout out one of our church friends, Maria, for posting the video where I got some of this that we're going to use tonight on this particular passage, Romans 13. Verses 3 and 4 are limiting limitation clauses. Okay, They are putting a limit on the government's power based on the parameters of God's word. And that limit is they're rewarding good. And they're punishing evil, punishing bad. So, again, just like Austin said, you are following the law. You are doing good. You will be rewarded. Most of the time in in, in the case of of the U.S., you're rewarded by, they're going to leave you alone. Right? (laughs) Yeah. You're not going to be harassed by the law or the government, anything like that, if you're doing what is right. If you are breaking the law, you are doing what is bad, you are doing what is evil, you are, you know, out breaking and entering, you're out stealing, vandalizing whatever the case may be, they're going to punish the evil. They're going to punish the wrong. And so that is a very basic definition of what the government's supposed to do. Yeah. Reward good behavior by leaving you alone and letting you live in peace and punish bad behavior. Yeah. In our case, by putting you in jail, by fining you, by, you know, probation. I mean, all these different ways that we could go through of how we're given consequences here based on our laws. And our, yeah, our rewards are we get to vote. We get to vote for our next leaders are representatives if we adhere to the law we get to have guns we get to be able to do these things versus what we get punished for is we get that taken away right yeah so and we're going to get into this here in a minute but just this idea that this means full submission complete submission blind submission to our government it's not what this is and we're going to talk about that here in a minute i'm going to get into again i'm going to use that video that maria put out to kind of talk about that, but let's get through this section, and then I'm going to kind of double back to this. Okay. So, verse 5, Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So, governmental tyranny is a potential evil, but so is anarchy. All right? Subjection means recognition of authority and compliance with it. Paul's counsel here is not isolated. So, in Titus, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. That's Titus 3.1. 1 Peter 2.13, which we're going to reference a few times, I think, 1 Peter 2, says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it is whether it be to the emperor as supreme. So, 2 Peter 2. For the sake of conscience indicates that respect for government should not be mere outward conformity, but an expression of inner conviction rooted in one's relationship with God. That's about as simple as we can say it, right? It, it's mm-hmm. follow the law. Submit to the law. The, uh, the law of the land. And do it with humility, do it with a, a clear conscience. For me, this, uh, my, 
being a historical buff, I mean, this goes back for me to, say, the Revolutionary War. And there are a lot of pastors that preach that the Revolutionary War should never have happened because they were um, rebelling against mm-hmm. the authorities and that they should have been in subject to the authorities and they should have been following what they, they said. And, it, and to a point, I, I agree. And let me caveat that. So, dependent on how much you know historically of why the Revolutionary War took place, most people will tell you if you ask them on the street, why did it take place? They, they have no idea. People, or they'll say taxes. Yeah. That, yeah. So, either A, they have no idea. They just knew, oh, well, we're American now. Or B, it's, oh, well, they taxed us too hard, so we decided, no, that's enough. We stuck it to the man. And as we see just a little bit further, Paul says, For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. So pay to all what is owed, taxes to whom taxes are owed. That's, yeah, paying taxes really stinks. I don't want to. But one, that's where we live in. Uh, Two, scripture does say it. If taxes are owed, you pay it. Uh, Looking back at the Revolutionary War, if that was the only reason why they rebelled, then yes, I agree that they were going against scripture, going against God's authority. And I don't think that the Revolutionary War would have had the same outcome. But it was not just taxes. If you actually go into the Declaration of Independence, they literally write out everything that the King of Britain was doing. Uh, He was killing the colonists, killing them for no reason. He was subjugating them on the seas. He was taking them captive and then making them fight against their own countrymen. Literally tyranny, evil things. It was not just, hey, we don't want to pay high taxes on tea anymore. That was literally the straw that broke the camel's yeah, back. Yeah, that was, that was it. That, that was, was it. They're the like, we're done. Yeah. And again, uh, going back, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So, if they were resisting the authority that God had instituted, which God did, God instituted the British government, he instituted the king. If they resisted them solely on taxes or those little things, they would have incurred judgment. But it was not just that. So there are so many books, uh, handwritten accounts. Uh, Joseph Plum Martin is a, a man in the Revolutionary War that he's the youngest survivor. Uh, he joined when he was really young, and he wrote in basically his diary, his entire story in the Continental Army. Just amazing. Just amazing the things that he saw and he witnessed. But these firsthand accounts, you can't read it and say that God did not bless what they were doing. Right. Now, taking that step back of, yeah, even in our sin, God will bless us. Not because of our sin, but despite of our sin. But that's not what I have seen in history, as according to this. God blessed them because of what they were doing. They were going against evil. Right. They were going against serious tyranny. And it wasn't just, I don't want to pay for tea anymore. It's, you're killing us. You're murdering us. We've had enough. And it's cool because um, looking at history, looking at America... America has been placed into this authority figure over the world. And uh, I do believe it's from God. I, again, God has instituted. He instituted America the way it is. So, he allowed us 
to become the United States of America over the British. He has allowed us to become the world's superpower. And so in verse 4, For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So right off the bat, World War I, World War II, uh, the Korean War. These were times that America, again, being the superpower of the world, we went in for a reason. There were evil things going on. Evil men were murdering and killing innocent people. And that is when we stepped in and said, and we didn't say it, but that I, this is how, how I see it was taken. As we, America was the sword. America, God has used us as a sword to vanquish evil on countless times. Mm-hmm. And the biggest one being World War II, where we came in and God used us to save Israel. I mean, yeah. God saved Israel, but he used us to do that. As we know, millions, yeah. millions of Jews uh, killed during World War II. And as we see throughout history, it starts to get muddy when we go into a war and those lines aren't drawn. So looking at uh, Vietnam, things were not as clear cut. We did not go in and we did not see complete evil. And that is exactly what we were there for to vanquish. And therefore, things did not work out the way that it was supposed to. Even looking at uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, Iran, it took us 20 years. Yeah. And... Um, and even then, we still didn't really win. Yeah, we didn't win Vietnam. We didn't win this one. It was just kind of we were there and then we left. Why? Well, intentions might have been good. But again, I hate it, but there are other things going on that we don't know. Yeah. But the baseline is if we are there for the prevention of killing innocent lives and we are there for good then things go well. Why? Because God blesses that. And I think it's important to note to, you know, you'll have people that'll say to this line of argument here, well, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. And we need to be careful, again, context, scripture interpreting scripture and understanding, using the entirety of scripture to interpret one scripture, right? right? And this idea that thou shalt not kill, okay, it's thou shalt not murder. The Hebrew word. It is premeditated. Premeditated murder, the taking of an innocent life. In cold blood, or whatever, or out of negligence, whatever the case may be, taking of an innocent life. Yeah, this does not discount war. This does not yeah. say war. I mean, war, war is terrible. It's a part product of the fall. We don't want war. No one wants war. Right. But sometimes it's justified. Well, and, and there are justified killings. I mean, there. Are, I mean, look right. at the Old Testament throughout the, all the Old Testament where God vanquished the enemies of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Or God put to death people who just didn't do what he wanted them to do. Yeah. And that's New Testament, too. Right. So, again, just be careful with your context. We put out on Instagram and Facebook a post, uh, I think yesterday, Sunday, that basically said, you know, we don't need to be reading our emotions into Scripture. We need to let Scripture guide our emotions. Yes. And that's what I am seeing, and, and it's been my new soapbox for the last few weeks of, like, we read our emotions in the scripture so many times. We, we yeah. look at this and we say, well, that's just not fair. God, God wouldn't do that. That's not fair. Right. Or we'll say, oh, that one makes me a little uncomfortable. I don't really like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this passage because it sounds good, but I'm going to twist it a little bit to make it sound even better. Yeah. And that's just not what we need to be doing. It, it's, it's the reason why we're, st- we're, we're seeing such a problem with shallow faith in this, in this country, in the West. Yeah. We aren't taking scripture at face value. We're taking one passage... 
and we're applying it in ways it was never meant to be applied. We're reading into it things that it was never meant to be read into. Right. And we're letting our emotions dictate how we feel about it. Right. So recently, <laughs> um, I've heard, and I'm not going to call any names out. I'm not going to single anybody out. I'm just going to be as I'm going to be very vague. But I heard the phrase uh, from someone leading something to the effect of, "I've interpreted scripture." I've interpreted this scripture many ways. Every time I read it, I interpret it a different way. And right now, I feel like it says this. Mm. We need to be careful for that. Yeah. And and it yeah. and it's one of those things. And and this and I'm going somewhere with this. I promise, based on what we're talking about. But we need to understand. Yes, we can apply scripture in different ways. We can take a passage and and see applications, practical applications in our lives in a, in different settings, and how we can apply this verse differently. As far as what do we do with it, actively do with it? But what does it mean? How do we interpret it? There's only really one way. It's the way it was intended to be interpreted. It's exactly how it's written. Exactly how yeah. it's written. Scripture interpreting scripture. And, you know, uh, I listened to Dale Partridge today. And, uh, My yes, man. And I know. I've listened to a lot of his over the last few <laughs> weeks. And um, really like this guy. But he basically said, I, I don't care how you feel about this passage. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care how it may, I, I care about what the passage means. I don't care how it makes you feel. I care about what it means. Yes. I care about what it means and how I can apply it to my life. Yep. Not taking it out of context. And so I just want us to be careful. And so I say that and leads me to this. This passage, especially with COVID, especially with all these lockdowns and all these restrictions they were trying to put on churches specifically. I mean, you think about California where churches were shut down, but strip clubs were open. Right. Right. And and people were Christians were justifying this by saying, well, the government says we need to keep it, keep the doors closed or keep the attendance to a minimum right. or whatever. And we're just going to do online services or, or whatever because the government says so. Right. That is such a vast misinterpretation. Yeah. So let's look at Ephesians chapter six, verses one through four. And it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Just one through three. I'll stop at three. Okay. Remember we talked about limit, limitation clauses a few seconds ago, where the limitation clause in Romans 13 is reward good, punish evil. Are there any limitation clauses in Ephesians chapter six when it comes to the authority of parents over their children? Does he put in a limitation clause in there? Hmm. He does not. However, what Christian would say that if your father says, I need you to go slash my boss's tires because he made me mad, because... You as a as a twelve year old aren't going to really get punished, you know, very harshly for this. But I'll go to jail and lose my job. Do we need to honor our father in that moment and go slash tires and do something that we know is wrong? Well, I even take I do take it a step further. To honoring is not the same as obeying, right? But I'm just saying, like, yeah. do we do we do we, would would any Christian logically say that? I would hope not. <laughs> right. So they're not going to hold to this ultimate authority of the parents over their children, right? Correct? Correct. Ultimate authority. That no matter what, we blindly follow. Right. All right? Why then do we take Romans 13 and say we have ultimate, that the government has ultimate authority over us? Right. And that we need to blindly obey and blindly follow. Yeah. Ultimately. Why do we do that? Because that's how we've been taught. Hebrews 13. So, you look at the the church government. All right? Hebrews chapter 13, again, did the same thing. I didn't write down the verse number. I just... Uh, da, 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 da. I got you. 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So, 
in the context of Hebrews 13, it's talking about church leadership and church government, church authority. And it's it's saying, obey your leaders and submit to them because they are keeping watch over your souls. They are overseeing the shepherding of the flock. Would a Christian then say, oh, I saw an elder stealing money out of the collection plate, but the elder says, don't, you don't need to tell the other elders, you don't need to tell the pastor, like, submit to my authority, do what I say and just don't tell anybody and go along with it. Right. No, we don't do that. There are no limitation clauses there. There's no, if they do this, do that. There's no, nothing's technically in there. But we understand, biblically speaking, that we don't go with anyone or submit to anyone who is telling us something contrary to God's word. So why do we then impose that belief that we have to submit to the government on Romans chapter 13? Yes. It really does. It, it really bothers, the, the whole government thing really bugs me when, it, when, when I'm told that I need to submit to the government no matter what. Right. Because we don't apply that to anything else. We don't. No one would say that as a, as, a, as a member of a church, we need to overlook the egregious sin of someone within our church body, someone within church leadership. Yeah. Right? I mean, you see this all the time. You see worship leaders and pastors who fall into adultery. We don't overlook that. We remove them from leadership. Yep. Right? They lose their jobs. They lose their livelihoods. Well, they, they don't meet the qualifications They don't anymore. meet the qualifications anymore. Yep. So why then do we put ultimate authority on the government over us? Right. And I have a bunch of <laughs> verses to back that up, but go ahead with your thoughts. Right. Well, also putting this out there, what makes us so different from literally every other governing authority throughout history? We govern ourselves. We are a republic, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. We're not a democracy. We're a democratic republic, which means... It's not mob rule. A Govern- pure democracy is mob rule. Exactly. Right. We are governed by the people for the people. Uh, Jesus uh, speaks about in the Gospels, he says, render under Caesar what is Caesar's, uh, as in paying taxes. If you look on the coin, who's on the head of the coin? It was Caesar. So if he wants his money, you give it back to him. What makes us so unique is who's on our money. We the people. We the people are on the money. The men who are on the bills on our coins, we elected them to represent us. And this is what makes us so unique. They do not rule us. They represent what we like, what we want. And if we do not like what they're doing, guess what? We get rid of them and we institute someone else. Yeah. And again, going back to the Constitution, the Constitution is the law of the land. There are other laws that go with the states, but federal law is supreme over state law. And the Constitution is supreme over everything else. In our Constitution, it says that if the governing authorities, as in the president, the the House of Representatives, all these, if they overstep their boundaries and they become a tyrannical government, it literally tells us our job as Americans is to take back what is ours to overthrow them and take it back. But and it again, all- hit the reset button and start over. Right. But to caveat that, it also says we are not saying to do this it for measly little things. If they hike taxes up, I mean, there there are places in the Constitution where they don't want that, but they are trying to stay as biblical as possible, saying that if it is not for measly little things, it is for if they become a tyrannical government then it's your job to take back over. And and I look at that and I see, you know, just practical examples of that, of what I would say would overstep boundaries. Get where was it? The Fourth Amendment, unlawful search and seizures. When they do away with that, 
Yep. And they can just come into your house willy-nilly and search your house and take your property. When they can come into your church and arrest you just for holding service. Yep. When they start on the genocide ty- side of things. Yep. I mean, I, I think abortion is that, but that's a different yep. conversation. Well, any but, of our amendments, if they go through and yeah. start trying to wipe out our second or our first amendment, then it is that time to start stepping up and saying, all right, this is what our constitution says. But if you are trying to take away our constitution... Now, that gets into semantics. It does. Semantics. Again, if God has instituted someone else to come and take us over, I don't know. All, all All we can do at this present time is, okay, what is the law? Constitution. What does the Constitution say? X, Y, Z. And we go further from that. If at some point, which we know is coming, one world order, we know the Antichrist is coming, our Constitution literally gets put on fire. At that point, what do we do? We go back to Scripture. What does Scripture say? And... Uh, it, it's Acts. Acts chapter 5. I think you had it down. I do, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. So, it's this thought of we obey God rather than man. Once man's law goes against God's law, we do not obey it. We do not support it. We do not do anything with it. But as long as man's law does not go against God's law, then we are we are still under that authority. Right. Well, let's look at, let's just take Romans, or sorry, take Acts 5 and just read a couple verses before and after 29. Yes. And when they had brought them, so they being the leaders, the government leaders of the day, when they brought them and set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name that you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him in his right hand as the leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So even in the midst of being questioned for teaching, which was forbidden, mm-hmm. they were still teaching. Yeah. And that's that's example one in the New Testament here of obeying God yes. over the leaders. Because what did the leaders do? They overstepped their bounds. Yeah. They started dictating things that were against the Bible and against right. Scripture and against Jesus and his teachings. Yeah. So they then have a duty to disobey. Yeah. They have a duty to disobey at that point. So I again looking at, you know, what is what is biblical to follow and what is not. So lo- looking at America, if say something happens and they are able to strike the second amendment off our amendments, we we no longer have the legal right to bear arms anymore. And legally, it is not hindering my life, my my children's life. They're just saying you can't own this anymore, so give it, give them up. I know the answer that my flesh will give, but as of the Holy Spirit within me convicting me, it's I, I don't know. I, I do read this, and I I think I am under their authority, and as long as what they're saying does not go against God, nothing in Scripture can back that I have the right to bear arms. Now, yeah, there are different parts where where Christ even says to his disciples, sell one of your cloaks and bring a bring a dagger with you for defense. And there there is an element to that. But And it goes with Rome protecting your family as right, well and, and Right. But Rome did not place a decree saying, hey, no one's allowed to have a dagger. Now, there was a thing about, yeah, you can't assault a Roman centurion or anything like that. But it gets into when something like this happens, you have to go and you have to pray and be like, Lord, what do I do? And I do firmly believe he will tell you. Uh, One of the biggest ones I go to is uh, Corrie ten Boom, Holland during World War II. She was a Christian and they were harboring Jews. They were saving Jewish lives and they saved hundreds of them. That was against the law. So right off the bat... 
we know that they were adhering to God's law. They were in the defense of people. They were in the defense of his chosen people. So in God's eyes, they were fine. What was the other one? They said, you were not allowed to own radios. Well, Corey, they kept a radio. So they were going against the law saying you weren't allowed to keep a radio. And at face value, well, it's a radio. It's not hurting anyone's life. But what were they using that radio for? They were using it to keep track of movements, keeping track of the world, what was going on. And because of that, they were able to save more lives. Yeah. And I, I look at that in the guise of guns. And again, saving, saving lives. If they are coming through killing people, then that's one thing. But if they're not, then it's, I, I honestly, I don't know. Again, I know what my flesh wants to do, but I have to go back to scripture and I have to go in prayer saying, Lord, what do I do? Uh, and, and it's a difficult one. It is. Yeah. That is a difficult one because, you know, my first thought is come get them. Yeah. I'm like, let's go. That's the American in me. Um, and, and I think there's some, I think there's an argument to, argument to be made to have that attitude. Definitely. Because you look at World War Two and how is, how, what is one of the ways he was able to do what he did? Took all their guns. He disarmed his people. We don't want that. <laughs> we no. We can't yeah. let that happen. And so, you know, it is, it, it, that is an extreme example, depending on if, Certain people have their way, a very real possible example. But yeah, it, it is it is tough and it is something like you said, you gotta pray. Yeah. You gotta pray about it. You gotta figure out your convictions on this and how God's gonna lead you. All right. So let's look at just a few more examples of a few more examples in scripture of people disobeying the government and God commending them for it. So let's go to Exodus chapter one and we're gonna look at verses fifteen through twenty-one. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Pua, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the, on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this? You've let the male children live. The midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So, I mean, that's genocide, mm -hmm. right? That is yep. a planned government-enforced genocide yep. that the midwives said, mm, we will not. Yeah, I'm not participating that. in that. Yeah. And God <clears throat> committed them. God gave them families and yeah. he, he let them multiply, let the Hebrews multiply because of their obedience to God rather than the government. So Daniel, Daniel 6, mm. verses 6 through 9. <laughs> I'm glad you're going here. Then these high officials and the satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of, of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. So verse 6 through 9 in Daniel chapter 6 what does King Darius do? He says, it is illegal to pray to anyone except to me for 30 days. So we all know the story of Daniel. This is what sets up Daniel in the lion's den, the famous story that, that we see all that we hear all about and sing children's songs about. What does Daniel do? He goes into his upper room with the windows wide open, the curtains drawn back, 
in view of everyone, and kneels and prays. Yeah. Three times. And goes against the king's signed law. Yep. Well, and even going back to Daniel chapter 1, looking at when Daniel and uh, the boys that he was with first came into the, the palace, they were decreed to eat the king's food. All of the king's food. And Daniel said to the chief eunuch, saying, I, I can't. I cannot eat this food because it will defile my body. And I have to eat what God, my God, king of the Hebrews, says for me to eat. And the eunuch was very, uh, very reserved about this. But he said, let, let me do this and uh, check back. And if my appearance is worse than those of everyone else, then I will eat the food. So later, he, the eunuch comes back and actually his appearance and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's appearance were better than those who were eating the king's food. So Daniel did not defile his body by the food that the king wanted him to eat. Instead, he stayed true to the law and to what God had appointed them to eat, vegetables and stuff like that. And he did not defile, defile his body. So he. So Daniel was a civil. civil uh, what, what's the word? He was a. Civil uh, rights? No. <laughs> no. He. Uh, he Protested. A dis- dissident. He was a dissident oh, okay. yeah. from early on, yeah. right? There are many examples in Daniel where he is, and yeah, no, not not doing what you say. Yeah. Because what you say goes against my God and my king. So again, just another example in the Old Testament. There are multiple. Yeah. But another example where we see the where we see God's people saying, no, we are not going to do what you say as the governing authority. Just backing up this idea that we are not under ultimate submission right. to the government. Quick side note, talking about vaccines, to say you have a biblical mandate, a God mandate to protect your body, it is very easy to point out. Very easy. Uh, Number one, Daniel. Yeah. We are not going to defile our bodies as Christians. So they come out with a vaccine mandate that says you have to get this vaccine. No, no. It's no. Why? Because my body is a temple. Um, My body is not my own. It was paid for by Christ. It is not mine. It's his. And I will not defile this body. So there it is. Well, and, and, and that gets into. I mean, we can go on that rabbit hole. But we're yeah, not going to. But it gets note. into. It gets into how how these vaccines are made and how they're tested yep. and what cells they're using to do to do yep. these tests with and to create these vaccines mm-hmm. with. If you really looked into it as a Christian, as a true Bible believing Christian, and that didn't make you doesn't make you uncomfortable, you, you need to talk to God. Yes, and and be like, hey, you need to be on convict me for this because the the. The fact that they're using aborted fetal cells, the cells of, of murdered and slaughtered babies, innocent babies, yeah. to make these vaccines should, even if they're quote-unquote healthy vaccines, even if they quote-unquote work, the fact that they used murdered babies to get them should it's, throw a red flag up immediate. It's a no. Immediate. It's a no. So, uh, you know what? I, I would say, I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but I'm not. Nope. I'm not. I mean, I know people who've gotten the vaccine. I know people in my family have gotten the vaccine. Yep. I... I hope you are okay first of all was yeah. health wise but I, I, do, I do hope you you understand even if it was un, unknowingly at the time i hope maybe now you understand exactly what was going on in those vaccines and and you know and and just ask god to convict you and you know break your heart for break what your breaks heart is. for what breaks is and, and that true. breaks his heart i mean it just does uh real quick before we finish up Romans chapter 13, the second half of, and I want to go to Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith, Moses, <laughs> Thank you. when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because 
They saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So again, by faith, Moses, and it actually brings up his parents who mm-hmm. went against went against the king's yeah, order to, yeah. to kill the to kill their son. Again, just another example. This one alluding back to Moses again. We we talked about the midwives, but Moses's parents disobeying yeah. Pharaoh's orders. A couple more, and then we're going to conclude Romans thirteen, the last half of it. Uh, Matthew chapter two. We're going to go to verses one through eleven. The visit of the wise men of the Magi. Mm. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So he is, so Herod is telling the wise men, come back after you find the child, come back to me so I can go worship him as well. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures and offerings and gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And verse 12, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So again, they were given a direct, I mean, this was a direct verbal order from the king. Yeah. After you find him, come back to me so I can then go worship him. Yeah. And it was revealed to them in a dream, hey, he's meaning to kill this child. Yeah. And so what did they do? They did what the Lord said and didn't do what the king said. And they went a different way and didn't come, didn't yeah. go back. Yeah. So again, just another example. And I got one more. Just again, I just want to drive this point home yeah. because I just think we had, maybe not so much with our church, but we just had this mindset in this country during these last few years that we are just to do what the government says. Right. And I just, there's no precedent for that in scripture to do it blindly. So 2 Corinthians 11 verses 32 through 33, it says, at Damascus, the governor under King Arteus, Artis? Artis. Yeah. Verse 32. At Damascus, the governor under King Artis was guiding the city of was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. This is Paul talking about his escape mm-hmm. because he, they were trying to hunt him down and arrest him. So what did he do? He fled. He fled. He was yeah. preaching the gospel, which was against the law. They tried to arrest him. He fled. Yeah. So again, understanding yeah. that the government is not the ultimate authority over us. And we see that all through scripture. And it's why, it's it, it, this gets back to the root of why we started this, is that we are to be prepared for the poss- possible and probable persecution of the church here in the West. Yep. We are to be prepared by knowing the word of God. Yep. And this is part of knowing the word of God. Understanding that when the government comes in and says, you can't do this, you can't meet, you can't physically meet and gather together. We're to say, no. Yeah, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to do it. <clears throat> Yeah. Whether that is being driven underground, like there was some in Canada. Yeah. I mean, in Canada, a Not Western far away. civilized democracy, supposedly. Mm, <laughs> bunch of commies. It's fine. But, but there, 
they had churches walled off and yeah. fenced off. And the congregation met in secret underground. Amen. Because that is what we're supposed to do. We are not yeah. supposed to cower in fear of a pandemic, right. of a government saying not to meet. Right. And I do think, I truly believe this, maybe I'm wrong, I hope I'm wrong, but I do think that because they saw how easily we folded, not all of us, don't get me wrong, not all churches, not all pastors, not all congregations, not all Christians, like I, I understand that, Yeah. but... Because they saw how easily we folded, how easily we gave up that freedom, gave up that right to meet and gather and worship together. Because we, or followed their stupid guidelines where we couldn't sing, weren't allowed to sing anymore. Because we folded so fast and so easy, at some point in the near future, the crackdown's going to be worse. Yeah, it will. The mandates are going to be worse. Maybe it's my conspiracy theory brain coming into play here where I think this may have been a test run to see how quickly we'd give up our freedoms. And it was pretty dang quick. Called discernment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and okay, putting it as, okay, at what point do we go against versus not? And so something simple like, okay, marijuana. Um, A lot of people think marijuana should be legal, which is fine. That's your opinion. But as of right now, according to the law in certain states, but so Indiana, it's illegal. You cannot smoke you cannot eat marijuana. A lot of people go back to Genesis where it says God has given all plants and their seeds for food. Well, if your governing authority says that you cannot smoke this and you cannot eat this, then we're going to follow that. Now, I also don't believe Genesis was talking about marijuana. It's talking about food. <laughs> right. To Actual eat food. For nutrients. <laughs> yeah. But so but no, you, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. There, there are plenty of I would say biblically sound Christians who would who would argue, at least on the medical side of things, that marijuana should be legal. Right. I, I think there are arguments that can be made for that. Right. Especially on the medical side. Recreation, that's a different conversation. Right. But on the, on the medical side, sure. I, I personally probably lean that direction, especially in cancer treatments and the... Anyway, oh, yeah. whatever. <laughs> Oh, it gets deep. It does. But until that, un- until it becomes the law of the land, you got to submit. Yeah. I mean, you do. And and again, contrasting that, this is not smuggling Bibles. Marijuana oh, exactly. also, is not yeah, smuggling absolutely. Bibles. And uh, that's something actually John MacArthur said. He's like, I can get behind that all day long. You smuggle as many Bibles as you want. And it is, uh, yeah, that is the commandment of God. That is the great commission where he says, taking the word of God to the far ends of the earth. And that is through his word. Yeah. So if you're smuggling Bibles into somewhere, or even in America, if we ever get to that point, um, that it's illegal to do that, well, guess what? That goes against God's law. So therefore, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I just, we got on a little bit of a soapbox there, but it just, it reminds me so much of, of why Austin and I are doing this. Yeah. It, it's to help us, ourselves, and those listening, dive deeper into the Word, get a better knowledge of the Word. That way, when things like this pop up, they can say, wait a minute, no, I have an understanding of this. I, I know what the Bible says about this topic, so therefore, I'm going to obey the Bible. And if that means going against the government, going against what our authorities are telling us, then so be it. I want to get to a point where we as Christians, big church, big C church, in America and in the West, that if we are forced underground like they were in Canada for a few months, that we will do it. Yeah. We won't sit in our homes and cower. We won't sit in our homes and watch it on the internet. We will gather. We, we will find a place to meet and we will meet. We will keep doing what we're supposed to be doing and what right. we're called to do, which is gather together and worship. Right. Amen. So, anyway. 
<laughs> so I guess finishing that part out, for because of this, you also pay taxes. For the, the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. So we pay our taxes. Um, that is the law of the land. We are to do that. Yeah. Revenue, if you have a loan, if you have anything that you're paying off, your mortgage, your credit card, whatever, uh, you have to do that. Yeah. You, that is the law of the land. You pay to what is owned. And that's not just law of the land. That's God's law. He's saying pay these things off. I, I personally would fall on the side of taxation is theft. Amen. However, it's that's what now the law says right now. And so as the law says, you know what? My taxes come out of my paycheck every every week. I complain about it. I, <laughs> I get frustrated when I see my pay stub. I get frustrated at tax time when they say, no, no, you still owe me money. Yeah, okay, whatever. You're the worst. But like, guess what I have to do? I have to suck it up and pay it. Yeah. I don't like it. I, I don't I, I don't think it's right. I don't but I also don't think it's right not based on scripture. I right. don't think it's right just based on principle and yeah. whatever. Say the question is posed, okay, do I pay my taxes or do I send my children to a Christian school? Okay, well, looking at it biblically, it says pay taxes to whom taxes are owed. And if you have to pay taxes, you pay the taxes. Now, here's where it changes. Do you either pay taxes or do you keep your children from starving? Okay, going back in history, looking at uh, most people have seen Robin Hood. Uh, they've seen the Disney version of Robin Hood, right? This taxation was going on so incredibly hard that they were starving out their people. They were taking their last farthing so that they could not even buy bread. Right. For me, the rule of thumb is if you are protecting life, then it is okay right. to defy the government. If it is either I pay my taxes or I feed my children, say a king declares he owns a million acres and every animal on that, even the deer that roam are his. But if you don't feed your children, they're going to starve. Do you go out and you technically quote unquote steal a deer because it's on the king's million acres or would it be justifiable because you are saving your children's life right now i bend towards yes but this is where it, it will differ if i'm by myself then no because i again not placing my life above anyone else's but it's i am going to be subject to these authorities but as long as I have children and a wife under me that I am biblically responsible for, for their wealth, I mean, their health, their well-being, then yes, I will go take that deer and feed my family. I will not pay my taxes in order to feed my family. Right. But yes, it does get into other things of trusting the Lord with that, which again, that is in constant prayer, constant being in the word. Of course. But there are, there are ways that you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, it is it it that dividing line is: Are you protecting life? I like that. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, it's a rule of thumb. It's not always correct, not, right? Of course, but but for the most part, ninety nine percent, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely, fantastic. All right. So verse eight, eight through fourteen. Yeah, second half. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So, if you owe something to somebody, if you owe them a burger, if you owe them a Coke, I don't care what it is, if you owe them, pay it back. Right, exactly. 
and it's biblical. Yeah. It is biblical. You pay back what you owe. But then he gets into the commandments. And uh, this is a shout out back to Exodus. I mean, later, Christ <laughs> ratifies it to do unto others as you would have others do unto you. But I mean, the golden law, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two that Christ gave out. That, that sums up the All entirety of, of the law. Exactly. Those two commands sum up the entirety of the law. Because love does not wrong a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. If you love your neighbor, and again, looking at who is your neighbor, literally everybody in the world, that is how scripture points out. Now, there is a difference when talking about a brother and sister in Christ versus a neighbor. A neighbor is an unbeliever. A neighbor is everyone in the world that does not know Christ versus a, a brother or a sister. Whenever it's talking about that in scripture, it's implied that you love them. Right. It's implied. They are your brother or your sister in Christ versus a neighbor. When you come to someone that you don't know, you've never met before, you're to love them. Yeah. It is. It's again, it's a command. And, and in context of this passage as well, this whole chapter that he's talking about civil authority, being a good civil, uh, being a good civilian, being a good, here we go. There you go. Being yeah. a good citizen is an act of love. It is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what, you know, cause going out and causing civil disobedience is not an act of love, right? Correct. Yeah. Taking your peaceful protest and turning it into a, a turning into looting or destruction or violence. Yeah. It's not an act of love. Protesting the killing of the unborn, that's an act of love when you're doing it peacefully and when you're doing it without violence. And defending life. And defending life. <laughs> Being a good citizen on top of fulfilling the law is an act of love. So just finishing up, verse 11 through 14, besides this, you know that the time, that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So verse 11, when it's talking about you know the time, that the hour has come for you to awake from sleep. Before you are saved, we're dead. We are dead spiritually, physically, everything. And the time has awakened, the time has come for us to awaken. He's, I think he is combating some complacency here too. Yes. And some maybe apathy on some level and saying, look guys, <laughs> the time of salvation is now. Yeah. The Lord, I mean, the Lord can come back at any moment. You know the time. We're at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, wake up. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Again, this is Paul, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, talking about the armor of God. Um, a little bit, just a, a verse ahead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is talking about salvation. It's talking about Christ. It's talking about putting on and becoming like Christ. That is so, so important as, as Christians. We are not to stay the same as when we first come to Christ. We are to continually conform to his image. We have to do that. We cannot stay the same. So I really like this commentary here and what it says on verse 12, 13 verse 12, which just real quick, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. I'm just going to read this little paragraph here real quickly. It says, here Paul further underscores the need for alertness. Eschatology, which is the study of the end times. Eschatology, I really like this, drives ethics. Mm. Eschatology drives ethics. It is easy to suppose that the current status quo is normative into the indefinite future. So what we're having now is what it's going to be like in the future. Like, 
like this is normal. Right. That basically getting comfortable, getting complacent with where we are. Right. But Paul labels the present time as night and indicates that it has had its day. Believers do and should repudiate the current passing night by rejecting works of darkness. They do so by donning the proper attire and armaments, the armor of light. This consists minimally of proper behavior and Christological orientation and focus. So mm. at the minimum, the armor of light combating the darkness that we are yeah. in, because we're in darkness. We will yes. be in darkness until Christ returns or until we go to be with him yeah. at death. So combating that at the very minimum with a Christ-centered life, a Christ-focused life and good behavior. <laughs> Being good citizens, yeah, right, yeah, living at peace with one another. We talk about we talked about that recently. Mm-hmm. Living at peace with one another and and having good behavior, being a being strong in your ethical standing, right? Being of uh, what it was it. Uh, um, you said this phrase to me the other day when we were talking above reproach. Oh, being yeah. above reproach, yeah, and and having us not putting yourself in situations where people can think negative things about you, yeah. So much as you can control, of Correct. course. Yeah. Well, and and what I what I tell people is literally, I don't care what people think about you, and, and it might catch people off guard. But when I'm talking to them about something going on, I'm like, I don't care what people think about you. What I care is what people think about the king that both of us serve. Right. And as as you like a friend, I'm like, yes, I do care about you, and I want to help you with that. But scripturally, and as a son of God, as the son of the king, I don't care what they think about you as a person, because how you act reflects on my father in heaven and reflects on yours. Right. And you need to keep that in perspective. Right. So, just to finish this off, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. And mm-hmm. it's again kind of wrapping up what I kind of what I said and what Austin said just a second ago is is just having a Christ-centered mentality. Yeah. Christ-focused mentality. We're not giving ourselves over to our fleshly desires and our lusts, right? I mean, he yeah. gets pretty graphic here. Orgies, drunkenness, sexual morality, sensuality. I mean, what's the one sin that we're told to flee from? Sexual immorality. Yes. And it's this again this idea walk above reproach. Yeah. Understand that the time we're in now is darkness. Yeah. We are ruled by darkness right now as far as the world goes. Yeah. The prince of darkness is has the authority over the world right now. Right. And and that's not going to be it. It's not going to be that way forever. Yeah. And we need to understand that, not be apathetic, not be lethargic, not be just ho hum go with the flow. We do not take vacations and we do not retire from the faith. Exactly. Ever, until we die. So Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh to gratify his desires. And it's tough. Uh, yeah. It's not easy. We talk about this a lot that every single fiber of my flesh, every single fiber in me that is not touched by the Holy Spirit, that is not, is in complete opposition to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And to God and it in his hates ways. God. It hates it. Our flesh hates we everything. Can, about we God. can live a quote unquote morally good life, but our flesh still hates hates the things of God. Yeah. And and we will always, without the help of the Holy Spirit, we will always choose, always choose, 10 times out of 10, sin. Yes. The only way we don't is with the help of the Holy Spirit. Again, doesn't mean non-Christians can't live, quote unquote, moral lives, moral right. and earthly standards, right? There's still conscience. Faithful husbands, faithful There's good fathers. Still knowledge of good and evil. Exactly. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, their flesh will win out. Their yes. desires will, to appease their flesh will win out. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're not, quote unquote, good people. I use that term very loosely, of course, because yeah. we know there's no one good. So, we as Christians need to be different, right? Yeah. 
we need to understand that, that again, apart from the Holy Spirit, we're not going to choose what God wants us to do. We're not going to put on that armor of Christ. We're not going to put on Jesus and, and not give into our flesh with desires. Yeah. We have to be saturated in the word. We have to be saturated in prayer. We have to be saturated in accountability. We have to be saturated with the church, a yeah. good Bible-believing, strong church. Yes. Not Stephen Furtick. Have to get one reference in. Have to get one. I mean, I'll throw a bunch out. But yeah. <laughs> but we won't. <laughs> but, but we won't. But not Furtick. Uh, <laughs> get involved. Yeah. Get into the word. Listen to not just our podcast. Listen to others about scripture. L- listen to Listen people, to sermons. Listen to sermons. Listen to yeah. people who are preaching and teaching the word. People who are smarter than you. Uh, throw some plugs out there. <laughs> uh, Dale Partridge. I'm I'm not annoyed that I listen to him now. By the way, I just don't I got, like that you're the one who told me to do hooked. it. I don't know why it was me. On, yeah, yeah. I don't know why that annoys me, but it does. <laughs> anyway, I, feel like I should have known before. I Dale Partridge, <laughs> Paul Washer, Alistair Begg, John MacArthur, uh, Vody Bachman. Those are just uh, top five. Those are top five yeah. that I listen to a lot. And there are so many out there, but it, it is so important to be discerning, to listen to it and think, okay, is this scriptural? Don't just listen to it and be like, oh, it's John MacArthur, so I'm good. Again, take that Berean method. Yep. Dive into scripture and say, okay, he's reading out of this text. Let me read it along with him. And then go from there. Yeah. And don't let your emotions dictate what scripture is telling you. Yes. Because that is what that is what we're falling into so much right now. Yeah, if you don't like it, it's probably because you're not obeying. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, again, just keep in mind his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. He is so far above us, we can't even fathom. Oh man, yeah. I mean, we're you know, Austin and I, we, we've talked we, we talked about this a lot. You know, we we feel like we have an okay grasp on scripture. There are parts of it we don't. There are parts of it that we just we struggle with, we wrestle yeah. with. Yeah. The meaning and the interpretation behind it and the intent behind it. And we could get to heaven and realize we were just completely wrong about all these things. And oh, probably yeah. will. Yeah. Right? We'll get to heaven and be like, God's like, that is not at all what I said oh, yeah. or what I meant. Yeah. Uh, MacArthur, the, the, these people that you mentioned that we hold the high esteem as, as high intellect, they're going to be wrong about things. So don't get caught up in this... I'm going to understand it fully because you're right. not. There's so many ideas in the, in the scriptures that we just can't grasp. So I have a quote from C.S. Lewis. Right. Okay, I, yeah. I'm going to do our spiel, at the, our ending yeah. episode spiel, and I'm going to let Austin finish us off with this quote. And I thought about this quote, and we will we will wrap it up. So I, I want to thank you guys again for listening. Thank you for downloading. Pass this on. We share. It, it publishes to Facebook automatically. If you follow us on Facebook, rooted in Logos, L-O-G-O-S. Follow us there. We're trying to get to 100 followers. We're getting pretty close. Not really, we're at 68, but <laughs> closer than we were. Share our episodes on there for us. Just hit that little share button. I don't even care if you say anything about it. Just hit it and, and get people to come to our page. Uh, we want to be able to reach more people than what we are right now, for yeah. sure. Lord willing. Lord willing. So do that for us. Subscribe to us on all these podcast, whatever podcast app you use. Subscribe to us. Give us five-star reviews. That really does help. As we continue to get bigger and kind of go through some of these ideas that we have, we, we're going to rely on word of mouth and rely on you guys to kind of help help do that. So just thank you so much for those of you that do listen. Really excited to continue this journey and and. Got some cool things coming down the pike here pretty soon, I think. And I say that way too much and then just never deliver. Although I promise we are going to deliver. <laughs> like, God willing. God willing. I've I, I've been in talks with a few people about some different ideas. So, like, yeah. we're just going to see how things go. But And just encourage people, not, not just to listen to us. I mean, because who are we? We're just two guys that live in Southern Indiana. Like, it's not even, you know, whatever. But <laughs> We're sons of the king, man. We're, we're sons of, yeah. But encourage people to listen. Yeah. Because if nothing else, we want to at least get you thinking about 
these things differently, yeah. even if you don't agree with us. At least get you to think about things. Yeah. So do that. We're going to get into some controversial stuff here in the next few months. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, sinister laugh. In- insert that here. But um, <laughs> So thank you guys again. Check us out. Subscribe. All that jazz. I've already said it. I'm not going to say it again. Austin, what is your quote? What is your thought? to kind of close this out. All right. So my thought is, so uh, Roman, Romans 13, 11, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come. As we know, it says that the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Um, it talks about how just like waiting for the groom to show up to the wedding, to have your wicks trimmed, to have them full of oil and ready, that it can happen at any time. And we've been living in the last days since Christ died. We are more so than Paul was. Granted, we we know that because we're 2,000 years separate, but but we are. And if this lasts another 1,000 years, then the people a 1,000 years from now will be closer to the end than we were. Right. But, and here's here's my thought. Uh, So, real quick, Genesis 11. Talk about the Tower of Babel. Uh, uh, Verse 6, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Looking at history, when they came together for the Tower of Babel, they all had one language. God said they could do anything. Anything they they propose, they can do it. So what did God do? He confused their language and they dispersed. Building all the way to Rome. There are things that the Romans were doing that we still don't know about. Uh, Just the things we know about, the roads. Their roads are still better than ours here in Harrison County. Yeah. And that's thousands of years ago. Uh, The aqueducts, everything, indoor plumbing. They had these things 2,000 years ago. Again, no telling what else they had. But every time civilization comes together and starts building and becoming something great, God disperses them. Looking at right now, just within the past 100 years, we have gone from airplanes all the way to just a couple decades later, the 60s, going to the moon, rockets, all the way to now, to where we have cell phones. We can literally talk to anybody from around the world at a second's notice. This either A, tells me that we are up for another dispersion, or that the Son of God is coming back. I am leaning towards the Son of God is coming back. Could it be we have another thousand years? Sure. But does that mean that we are ready for another dispersion? Maybe. Because again, Tower of Babel, they were building a tower. God dispersed them. Rome. Look at the Roman Empire. We're sending civilians to space. Yeah. Look at our skyscrapers. Look at just the technology we have. Either A, we are going to be dispersed and be brought back down to the Stone Age, or B, God is going to come back and we're all going to go home. I'm hoping for that one. (laughs) Um, But my my end quote from C.S. Lewis, the best course between two immovable ideas was right between them. He added, heaven will solve our problems, but not, I think, by showing us subtle reconciliations between all our apparently contradictory notions. The notions will all be knocked from under our feet. We shall all see that there never was any problem. So what we were talking about before we did our sh- our spiel of, you know, we have these these thoughts and ideas on scripture, but once we get to, to heaven, I, I can just imagine God our Father looking at us and being like, oh, my child, like, I'm glad you struggled with this, but man, you are so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and we need to be okay with that now to be able to read through scripture. And Brad and I, we know we do not know everything. We, we see these simple basic truths as son, God uh, Jesus is the Son of God. That doesn't change. But we do read this God's Word, and we know that we don't know everything. 
And we're just praying, Lord God, give us the understanding that you meant when you breathed it through the men that you had write it. Yeah, but absolutely. That's it. And one day it'll all be clear. Yeah. And we'll be like, wow, we weren't very I smart. I was so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we're stupid. Thank you guys again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. And uh, in the meantime, stay, stay rooted. rooted.